We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Opponents Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Vince D'Addario, and I'm the football analyst here at Irish Breakdown. Notre Dame is coming off a 31-13 win over the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets on Saturday. There's a ton to talk about when it comes to that game, and you can find it all at irishbreakdown.com, as well as our podcast over on Soundwise. But today... We are kicking off the most anticipated week of the season, I would say, with the number one team in the country coming into town, and that, of course, is the Clemson Tigers. It is going to be the first home game in three weeks uh, that the Irish have, and they they have a a 22-home game win streak on the line, believe it or not, and frankly, probably a little bit of national respect for that matter. Uh, It's a 7.30 kickoff here in South Bend, and you can find that game over on NBC. Brian Driscoll, the publisher at Irish Breakdown, of course, will be at the game. So make sure that you log into irishbreakdown.com prior to, during, and after the game for all the updates and analysis. And uh, we will have the information from the press conference, uh, for Brian Kelly's press conference afterward as well. So make sure you stay locked in. But with me today to talk about the Tigers of Clemson is Larry Williams, who is the senior writer at Tiger Illustrated.com, which I believe is part of the Rivals Network. Is that correct? Yes, sir. It is. Oh, excellent. Larry, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Um, we usually start this thing off that very similar, uh, and I think this is going to be a very unique answer uh, based on uh, many of the opponents that Notre Dame has had over the last year and a half. But 
Give me a state of the program for Clemson. Obviously, the expectations that the last uh, five, six years have been extremely high, as well they should be. Uh, but what you know, what's the state of the program for Clemson as we sit here uh, going into the Notre Dame game? Well, I think the state of the program overall is uh, is pretty spectacular, just given given <laughs> uh, what what they've done to date on the field, and then of course how well they've been recruiting. I mean, they've kind of taken recruiting to an even higher level as, as hard as that is to, to believe. So, uh, but I think specific to right now, um, they're sort of feeling their way through. I mean, I think even before Trevor Lawrence's absence because of COVID and before Jamie Skowski and Tyler Davis and Mike Jones were out uh, for, for injuries, they were, very young in some key areas or not. I, w- I wouldn't say young. I would say um, inexperienced at prominent roles uh, in, in some areas like receiver, um, uh, the secondary, uh, and then the, the, the defensive line and linebacker. I mean, they lost a, they lost a lot of players uh, last year. Um, and so I think that, you know, you saw early this season, they kind of struggled against Virginia uh, they were able to summon everything for a big game against Miami and look, they looked great in that one. Uh, but then the last couple of weeks after they hung 73 on Georgia Tech in Atlanta, you know, they struggled with Syracuse. They were only up 27 21 in the third quarter against Syracuse, a 44 point underdog, I believe. And then, of course, right. the most recent game, Boston College, are down 18 points, which is an absolute shock to the system. And so, I think that is I think that's a less a product of Clemson being flat or unfocused or the typical things that you sort of hear and more the injuries, you no know, Trevor Lawrence, who's pretty good by the way. Um, <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and some and, and still sort of finding their identity in some areas on both sides of the ball. No, that that absolutely makes a lot of sense. And you know, let me ask you uh, quickly about uh, Dabo Sweeney. You know, he he brought this program to heights, obviously, that it's never seen before. I mean, I, I look up to him as a coach. I think he is an excellent coach. I think he's an excellent motivator. Um, does do, Nationally, he gets a little bit of flack for some of his aw shucks, you know, demeanor at times. And uh, what was the the T-shirt that was made about uh, everybody's on the other bus or whatever the, whatever the case may be? Oh, the the, the rest of y'all bus, the yeah, Roy bus, yeah. <laughs> the Roy bus. That's right. Um, the, I know how the national media looks at Dabo Sweeney. How how does the Clemson fan base and you know the local media, et cetera, look at Dabo Sweeney and what he's been able to do? Yeah, it's different, and I think that I think it's a natural although strange phenomenon where when you have a new sensation as Dabo and Clemson were back in 2015, and as Notre Dame folks will remember, that was the the year that that the Irish came uh, to Death Valley for the hurricane game or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it was raining. Yep. Yeah. At that time he was the, he was, um, beloved uh and embraced by the national media because you know he was he was new and fresh and different um and but but i don't and i don't know when 
the sort of change happen, but I think it's just kind of a rule that the once you start winning a bunch, you know, people are going to naturally get a little tired of your act. And, um, you know, I think that was the case. Uh, Like the first thing that comes to mind is the, the last dance, uh, documentary, uh, this past spring where Michael Jordan, you know, dealt with it, you know, people change, you know, the media that covers you after a certain point, after so much winning, they start trying to, you know, figure out what's wrong, you know, um, look around to, 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 to find your weaknesses or, 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 or or they're more prone to, to being critical. And so, but I think, you know, like I said, that's just a natural thing. Um, and I think it's a compliment to Clemson. I mean, they are, they are arguably the premier program in college football. And, you know, I, I think the fact that he and they are under the microscope and facing more scrutiny perhaps than they, than they did when they were, were a fresh sensation back in 15 and 16. Um, I think it's a credit to them and it's a credit to what he's built. But as for the fan base and the, uh, you know, local media. I mean, I, I think the fans are 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 in love with him. Um, you know, I, I do think that uh, you know there you know there's a natural sort of um, uh, there's a similar sort of trajectory, I guess, with the fan base as I described with sort of the national media is you know back in '15 when you're going undefeated for the first time you know, and forever, it's like this magical ride, you know, because you're going through it for the first time. Well, now it's like, you know, if there, if, 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 if a team stays close for a while, it's like, what, what's wrong here? And what, you know, what, what's going on with that? You know? And so, but I think most, you know, a large, the large majority of fans are, are absolutely beside themselves with, with, with what's going on and, and, and just, where this program is, you know, their previous glory days back in the eighties, you know, when they won a national title in 81 and had a bunch of other really impressive wins and impressive seasons and under Danny Ford, that came with some baggage in the form of NCAA probation. And, Mm -hmm. and, and this, this run is not only, um, not only, far surpassing of what happened in the eighties, you know, in, in terms of championships and wins. Uh, but it's also, um, you don't have that baggage that, that, that they had, uh, way back when. No, that makes perfect sense. And, uh, you know, it, teams and fan bases also, you know, they need to understand that, that these heights can sometimes be fleeting as well, you know, enjoy it while you got it. Cause it won't last forever, you know, and then that's just the nature of college athletics. Well, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and the, just sorry to interrupt you, but no, 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 absolutely. You know, when, when Dabo became head coach in '08, the the standard back then it was who was it? It was Florida, it was mm-hmm. Oklahoma, it was Texas. Okay, yeah. so look at look at the tumult. I mean, obviously Oklahoma has 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 still won big, but um, but but boy, Texas and, and Florida just you know. Just mm-hmm. a mess, you know, mm-hmm. for, for the most part. And shockingly so. I mean, nobody would have predicted that. And so I agree with you. And that's what I try to remind the fans is that, you know, you know, hey, you know, <laughs> don't take this for granted. Uh, exactly. Because, because it could it could slip uh, from your from your grasp um, before you know it. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, let, let's jump into this game, um, or at least uh, what we know about this game up to this point. Well, let's start on the offense. Yeah, obviously, the big headline is the fact that Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be in this game. Um, I, I'll let you do the pronunciation of the amazing five-star true freshman DJ. Uh, I'll let you handle his last name, but you got a chance to see a full game of him last week. Obviously, it didn't start out great, but I think that was more defensively than it was offensively. Uh, just tell tell the listeners just a little bit about who he is, his path to Clemson, uh, and and what you expect in his first road start uh, coming into this game. Well, it's it's pretty amazing that uh, you know after after Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson that, that that you have this kid coming through. I mean, most college programs, you, know, you get one of these type of talents maybe every 40 years, you know, like you just, it, it, it's just, I mean, they've redefined the term generational to mean every few years, you know, <laughs> instead of, in, instead of every generation. And so, and, and DJ, uh, is is definitely in that same lineage um, with 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 Trevor Lawrence and, and Deshaun Watson. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, you know, I thought he looked fantastic uh, last week. Just given the circumstances, I mean, you just think about the offense. Nobody on the offensive side of the ball, coaches, players, anybody knew that until until Thursday at like 12:30 uh, in the afternoon that they were not going to have Trevor Lawrence for a game less than 48 hours away and anybody who has even a basic understanding of of the how the week goes with a uh, with a team as it gets ready knows oh, that yeah. by Thursday yep man the hay is in the barn like I mean you've, you've done the game planning you've done the almost all of the practicing with the exception of like some a light practice on Thursday and a walkthrough on on Friday and so you know, for for DJ to turn around and 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 be, um, to to turn in the performance he did was was pretty remarkable. And then you know, oh by the way, Boston College takes the opening kickoff and drives right down the field. And so before DJ even takes a snap, he's down seven to nothing in 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 Death Valley, which you know, that's almost unheard of. Just being down a touchdown, yeah. You know, this, this program and and then you take it a, a few steps further. And sort of all hell breaks loose because a you know a, a fumble at the goal line gets taken the other way uh, for a touchdown, and then a, a, they they come unglued uh, on on field goal defense and and jump off sides and then give up a touchdown the next play. That's twenty eight to ten. They're down eighteen points in the first half to Boston College. My point is that is that through the whole process, through all of that adversity, in his first college start. Uh, he never looked remotely frazzled. I mean, he had a couple of fundamental mistakes, uh, sailing the ball some uh, on throws to his left a few times and uh, some mix-ups maybe with his receivers. But overall, uh, just thoroughly impressed with how he uh, guided the offense down the field. And I should also point out that, you know, I don't think he's fully healthy. You know, he got banged up against Miami. And then uh, they held him against Georgia Tech a few weeks ago. And then against Syracuse, he he played one series late, but he, they didn't run him at all. And then uh, and then last week against Boston College, they didn't run him at, at all in the first hmm. half. And then 
and then they picked their spots in the third quarter. I think they felt like they had to. Sure. Uh, to sort of to sort of open up the offense some, and, and he pulled it on a zone read on a fourth and uh, oh, fourth yeah. and one, ran for thirty yards. Yeah. yeah, and so you know you just sort of felt like you know, but before that run, I'm thinking, man, uh, this is a problem if he can't run it at all because you know this is a zone read offense, and if the quarterback, you know, if, if the if the defensive ends and everybody else is crashing down on the running back every time and leaving you know your quarterback. And they're not having to worry about him. That's an issue. Well, mm-hmm. he pulls it and, and nothing but green grass. He ran a couple of other quarterback power type of runs. And so I, I say all that to say, you know, he is a legit dual threat quarterback, kind of in the Cam Newton mold. I mean, 250 pounds, <laughs> yeah. six, four, he's a freshman, you know? And so, um, you know, at full strength at a hundred percent, this guy is going to be plowing people uh, when he has the ball in his hands. And so, I think just he, he was he was unfazed through the you know the, the short notice of, of starting. He was unfazed through the big deficits, and he was also unfazed through sort of having one hand tied behind his back. Um, you know, is that that part of his arsenal wasn't really totally available, and so I think um, just super impressed with with what he showed uh, uh, a few days ago. Now, can you give his measurables again, his, his height and weight, real quick? Because I want to give a reference point to Notre Dame fans, real quick. Yeah, six four, two fifty is what uh, is what he's what he's listed at. And Notre Dame's true freshman tight end, who ha- Michael Mayer, <laughs> who has done amazing things so far, is six five, two thirty five. So that's crazy. If that gives people an idea of how big this kid is uh, at the quarterback position, holy well, smokes! And then as a freshman, so like Deshaun Watson, like right now, I mean, he's a specimen, right? Sure. He he got to Clemson as a freshman in 2014. He was like he was like uh, 178 pounds, maybe. <laughs> and then Trevor Lawrence, you know, a few years later, I remember Dabo Sweeney saying, you know, Trevor is more physically developed than Deshaun because Trevor's like 205 or 210 pounds. <laughs> well, this guy's 250. Man. You know, so anyway, I, his, the, the, I mean, not only is the short term upside, you know, really uh, appealing for him, but I think, man, long term, uh, he could be the ultimate weapon just from, for, for, and, and his, his, he has an absolute cannon for an arm. I don't know. I don't know this for sure, but it feels like he he has more velocity on his throws than Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence, Trevor has a has a cannon in his own right. So, yeah. uh, in fact, I think DJ uh, on some of his more intermediate throws, he probably needs to take some off of them because <laughs> I mean they're like those things are hard to uh, hard for a receiver to react to. Well, let's. Uh... <laughs> Let's go from one uh, budding superstar to a superstar already in his own right, and that's Travis Etienne and what he's able to do in the backfield. Uncharacteristic fumble, obviously, in the last game was picked up, returned for a touchdown. Uh, Notre Dame uh, felt that sting last week as well with uh, Kyron Williams fumbling and it being returned for a touchdown. Um, But, look, Travis Etienne is still arguably the best running back in college football uh how's he doing right now because he you know he's kind of dealt with a little bit of an injury bug as well this year but hasn't missed any games i don't believe no he he's he's uh he's he's fine he you know the the big thing with etn um this year compared to recent years is is how much 
how much more of a threat he is uh, in the passing game. Um, oh, yeah. He's the second leading receiver, <clears throat> 29 catches for 434 yards and, and, and two touchdowns behind Amari Rogers. And so, you know, that's really one of the big reasons he came back to school uh, was to show that he could, he could add that to his, his repertoire. And, um, and it, and it, and it comes at a really opportune time because, you know, they lost T Higgins from last year's team. They lost Justin Ross to a season ending neck injury. And so, you know, receiver entering this season, big question mark, you know, sure. and it still is kind of a developing thing for them apart from Amari Rogers, who is, who's a super slot guy who's, who's really sort of, um, you know, showing out this year in his own right. But, but beyond that, they just really don't, um, you know, you just don't have those, those options like T Higgins and Justin Ross and Mike Williams, you know, that are going to just terrify you as you figure out how to, uh, how to cover them. And so, you know, having Travis Etienne as a passing option really has, has come in handy in that respect. And in another respect, you know, defense is not just this year, but last year as well. You know, the, the, the MO is basically like, we're going to try to take away number nine first, you know, because he can just sort of rip your heart out. And, and so now it's not just a matter of loading the box and, you know, trying to bottle him up as a runner. You also have to account for him on wheel routes, on screen passes, other designed uh, uh, routes. You know, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll line him up, you know, on the wide side, you know, right by the sideline. And he'll, he'll, he's very customary to can just go on a go route, you know, on, 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 on deep balls. And so it's a headache for sure. I mean, he's a superb player. Um, you know, just just he can he can hurt you in so many ways, and I think that their offensive brain trust has really done a nice job of of uh, of, of figuring out different ways to to uh, uh, different ways and different places to put him uh, to to really stress defenses. Yeah, he's a matchup nightmare. I mean, there's there's no two ways about it. Um, you mentioned the wide receivers, and you, you you've got. You know, uh, a proven commodity in Amari Rogers. He's a very he's a special player, no question about it. Uh, so Notre Dame fans know who he is. They know number three when they see him. Uh, but there's some other guys that 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 can hurt them as well. Uh, kind of give Irish fans the the lowdown on what the wide receiving core looks like for this year and the 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 weapons that uh, DJ is going to have. Yeah, I think at the end of the year, um, I think you'll college football will know more about about their receivers. But I think right now they're still, still sort of finding their way. Um, you know, Cornell Powell has been kind of a surprise. Uh, he's the third leading receiver and been here for years and, and somebody that Dabo Sweeney has talked up a lot, but never really produced uh, until this year, but he came up huge against Boston college. I think he had 11 catches and I want to say like five or six of those were on third down. And so, uh, he really, he really came through, you know, in some man coverage situations when when they really needed to move the chains and and keep going down the field. Um, you know, coming into the year, as you sort of try to figure out, okay, how are they gonna how are they gonna fill the void left by T Higgins and Justin Ross? The, the obvious sort of replacements were 
Frank Ladson and, and Joseph Ngata, both of them sophomores, both of them super highly recruited. Um, Ladson from down in Miami and Ngata from California. Um, but the issue or part of the issue, both of those guys missed most of August camp with uh, COVID stuff, COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. And then um, Ngata, who who's ideally like that next Mike Williams type of, of, of receiver. And Gata suffered an abdominal injury that has just really nagged him for, for a long time this season. He just hasn't been himself. And then Ladson um, has had shown some flashes, um, although he's had kind of a regular occurrence of drops, particularly drops on deep balls, like over the shoulder type that, you know, at this point, it just seems like it's in his head, you know, kind of like the yip. Oh, yeah. But, but, uh, but, but he, um, he missed the Boston College game with an injury that he suffered, uh, a hip pointer that he suffered a few days before that game. And so I think they held him against Boston College with the idea that he would be ready to go against Notre Dame. I don't really know as of right now uh, what his status is, but. Um, so they've had to sort of spread it around some. EJ Williams is a freshman, super talented freshman from, from Alabama. Um, also, uh, Brandon Spector wears that familiar number 13, uh, previously worn by Hunter Renfro, who's a real springy, um, you know, uh, explosive type of, I guess, explosive like out of his breaks, um, mm-hmm. that, 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 that's kind of dangerous. And then also this year, they finally have, uh, threats and passing game threats at tight end. They hadn't had that since back in 2016 when Jordan Leggett was his final year with the program, but they have uh, Braden Galloway, who's a, who's a, a really uh, viable weapon um, in, in the slot, you know, over the middle. Also uh, Davis Allen, who, who's a, a really, really good and rare mix of a tight end who's super physical and a, and a able and willing blocker, but also can be a threat in the downfield passing game. So they are definitely in transition right now at receiver uh, specifically, um, but they still have, they still have a lot of weapons. Um, still have plenty of, of ways to hurt you. And I think, you know, anytime you have trigger men like Trevor Lawrence and, and, and DJ Oangalale, um, you know, it, you don't have to have great players at every position to really, uh, to really do damage in the passing game. So you mentioned that uh, you've got willing blockers at tight end. Speaking of willing blockers, what what does this offensive line look like? Are they able to hold up their end of the bargain with this offense? Yeah, they you know they had to replace four starters, um, and you know I think they've I think they've I guess the way they probably. I'd say they've been good so far. Pretty good, maybe, is the best way to put it. Um, I think they've been great at pass protection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, DJ, I think a big part of, of him flourishing the way he did last week was, man, he, he had a lot of time and um, was able to step up in the pocket and, and go yeah. through progression. Yeah. yeah, he looked Run- real comfortable back there. There is no doubt yeah. about that. Sure did. Um, run blocking, I think. You know, I think it's been more of a mixed bag, and I don't want to be too hard on them, uh, uh, the offensive line, based on what I told you a few minutes ago. I mean, teams have been loading up, you know. Like, so 
it ain't going to be easy to, you know, to, 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 to have a smash mouth, you know, running game, you know, with, with, with massive holes, if you, if you're having to deal with numbers disadvantages. Um, So I think they're still uh, developing, you know, they had some, some issues against Boston college, which is a really big and physical front. Um, You know, they, they also had some issues against Syracuse, which I was a little surprised about. And so, um, you know, I think on the interior is where maybe there's there's the most concern from fans because you have basically three new starters, uh, Cade Stewart, the center, who has had some, some bad snaps uh, recently, um, left guard Matt Bockhorst, who has uh, – he was a backup until this season but has plenty of ex- uh, experience. And then at right guard, uh, Will Putnam, who's a second-year guy, but this is his first year as a starter, and he's – he's the most inexperienced uh, of them all. And so, um, you know, I would say, I would say really good pass blocking um, and, and, and pretty good at run blocking, you know, also, you know, you have to take into account, like I said, uh, a lot of defenses sort of the MO is, is to, is to, is to load up and, and, and try to try to limit number nine as much as they can. Oh, no doubt about it. But, but but they have a, one more note about the line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, those five starters are going the whole way. Like they, you know, gotcha. they, they, yeah, they, they, I mean, they have a couple of backups that they really like, but they are super young and they've been very hesitant to put, uh, to put them in uh, during, you know, close situations. In fact, I want to say, I want to say the starting five played every snap uh, against Boston College. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the depth chart right now, and the backups are freshman, freshman, redshirt freshman, <laughs> redshirt sophomore, and freshman. So yeah. uh, <laughs> I can see why they would be somewhat hesitant uh, to go to the next level with the offensive lineman, for sure. I, I get it. <laughs> Not a lot of experience there. All right. So uh, let contrary to popular belief or what the media will have us think, uh, the the storyline for me is not the fact that Trevor Lawrence is out because DJ is a very viable backup, uh, and we've discussed that already. But it's the holes that need to be filled on defense uh, due to injury, um, you know, and a, a suspension for the first half due to an ejection last game. But uh, so the, this defense as a whole, uh, I, I think, is the storyline here. It's going to be Notre Dame's offense if they can put something together against this defense. I think that's the really the side of the ball that I'm going to be paying attention to. Um, let, let's start off with just kind of the defense as a whole, and then we can, we can jump into, you know, we'll go front to back with those guys. Yeah, they, they, uh, you know, last year was a, was a big transition year for them because, you know, they had lost all those dudes from the defensive line that you guys yeah. probably remember, remember from 2018, the Power Rangers, as they call them, Christian Wilkins <laughs> and Dexter Lawrence and Cleveland Farrell and Austin Bryant. And so last year, I think the the impressive thing for, on the defensive side of the ball was that, you know, they were breaking in a lot of, of young defensive linemen, but Brent Venables was able to sort of scheme his way around it um, and, and sort of gear everything more toward their strengths on the back end. Uh, you know, they had Isaiah Simmons and they moved him around everywhere mm-hmm. last year. And so anyway, 
they were really good on defense last year, which I, I think is, is, is a heck of an accomplishment given what they lost from the defensive line of 18. And of course, you know, it all fell apart in, in the national championship, but you know, that, that off that LSU offense might've been Oof. the best college offense in, in freaking history. Ever. Honestly, <laughs> ever, um, <laughs> you know, you just, I just don't, anyway, uh, it's a really special group, but so this year, um, you know, overall, like they, you know, they, uh, they have some questions in the secondary because they lost that veteran secondary from last year. Um, Simmons, uh, AJ Terrell, the corner, uh, Kayvon Wallace and Tanner Muse at safety. And so uh, I think that coming into the year, the, the feeling was, okay, they're, they're getting back to what they have been in recent years, sort of, um, meaning that on the defensive line, they were going to get back to just wrecking people. I think that, and I guess I'm already getting into your specific. That's okay. Flow right in. But the the issue is that, you know, coming into the year, they had already lost Logan Rudolph, who was supposed to come back. Um, He decided to give up football to pursue an acting career. Hmm. And then in the, at the start of camp, it was revealed that Xavier Thomas, had uh was going to redshirt they planned to redshirt him and this is before the ncaa changed the rules on redshirts and basically gave everybody a free year but right um but basically he had covid back in march and april and was still having breathing issues in as of like august uh and had like a case of strep throat basically he was out of shape um he was not in a good place mentally so he was going to be out for a, a significant period Justin Foster, who was senior returning defensive end, he has yet to play. Um, he has had some, uh, I think, some 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 issues, some breathing issues, maybe asthma related. I'm not certain, so I don't want to speculate. But the bottom line is, he has not been out there, and I don't think he's going to be out there for a, for a while. So, Tyler Davis, who was a super defensive tackle last year as a freshman, um, he has been nagged with injuries. Um, he, he had a uh, a knee injury, I believe, that, that that he suffered against Wake Forest in the opener, and then that kept him out for several weeks. Well, he came back just in time and helped dominate against Miami. Uh, but then a couple of weeks later, actually I think a week later, is when he suffered an ankle injury, and so he missed. Um, he missed the Boston college game as well. And I don't, I'm not optimistic that he's going to, that he's going to be uh, back and, and, and remotely at full strength for, for the Notre Dame game. Well, then also James Skowski uh, had a hernia and had to have surgery to deal with that. And so that's like right down the middle of your defense. Like right. those are your two best players. I mean, really like, those are their two best players on defense. I don't think there's any question. And so, um, so therefore, you know, you, you, you take out, so, so Thomas is back. Xavier Thomas is back, but like you mentioned, he, he's going to be out for the first half right. Saturday and he's not even back to nearly full strength. I mean, he's still trying to get his conditioning back. Um, and so they are plenty talented on the defensive line. You know, Brian Brzee was all everything. Um, he's a freshman, but he's still learning, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's, a, he's in there at tackle. 
Uh, Miles Murphy is going to be a superstar defensive end. He's a freshman as well. Um, but again, he, he's in that same boat as Brzee. KJ Henry, the other defensive end, is a redshirt sophomore. Um, he has plenty of talent. Justin Maskell, the other defensive end, I think, uh, uh, you know, he's he, he has potential as well. He's a redshirt sophomore. I just really wonder, you know, after after watching them against Boston College, I mean, they got covered up quite a bit against Boston College, you know, which which really is kind of the BC presents a lot of the same challenge that Notre Dame will. You know, BC is really big. Um, they have you know multiple tight ends, and they just cover you up. They're just bigger than you are, and sure. Um, and so I think that was part of the problem for Clemson against Boston College. And uh, you know, I just believe that that Tyler Davis is a major uh, difference maker. And so anytime you don't have him, and then on top of that, you don't have James Skalski, the quarterback of your defense, um, you're going to have some issues and you're going to be sort of, uh, you're going to be uh, uneasy, I believe, if you're Brent, uh, Brent Venables. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Skalski is the middle linebacker, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so so Jake Venables is his backup obviously son, I would assume, of Brent Venables. Um, That has to be an interesting dynamic, having your son now try to take over those quarterbacking duties as a redshirt sophomore in the middle of that defense for your dad's defense. I mean, that that has to be an interesting uh, load to bear for uh, young Jake. Yeah, and, you know, he's he's not James Kowski. Right. uh, So – you know, I, I, he's had some, you know, there's some points in the last few weeks where, you know, I just don't know if he, he might maybe overrun some things and, and maybe doesn't see the ball, you know, where the ball is quickly enough. I'm, I'm not saying he's been bad. I'm just saying that um, there, there is a drop off there. There's a clear sure. drop off there. And so, um, you know, I think that Balin Spector, the other inside linebacker who has been really good, this year as, as a, as a uh, senior, um, I think he creates problems for you because he's just so quick and he's, he's what their main guy who they use on a lot of those A-gap blitzes, the delayed blitzes where he, you know, before you even know he's there, uh, before you even know he's coming, he's basically in your lap, um, which Brent Venables is so good at crafting those types of loops and stunts and pressures and such. But, um, you know, I think, Jake Venables is 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 still sort of learning, you know, learning, growing it at a, like I said at the beginning, you know, they got a number of, of players on this team who are in prominent roles for the first time, and and Jake would would certainly be one of those. You mentioned that the secondary was the the veteran group that Venables was able to lean on last year, so a lot of new guys back there this year. What what does that match up? look like with Notre Dame because for Notre Dame it you know their receiving core is the big question to be honest and uh, I'm sure that's not a giant secret so um, how do you see that matchup going forward uh, in this game yeah that's where you know is 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 as much uh, concern I think is justified about you know how Clemson will hold up uh, on the line of scrimmage in the back of my mind I keep going to okay Brent Venables has a a decorated history of being able to take away 
you know, if there's one thing you do really well, mm-hmm. he, he is really good at neutralizing that. And so you mentioned that, that Notre Dame is sort of still developing its passing game and those receivers are, are, are still sort of growing in their own right, which I've seen as well as I've watched them mm-hmm. this week. I, I think that Clemson's corners, Darian Kendrick and uh, Andrew Booth and Sheridan Jones, those three, I think they can they can hold their own with with Notre Dame's receivers. I think they can. I, I I would not be surprised if they were able to sort of lock them down. I do wonder how Clemson will cover Notre Dame's tight ends mm-hmm. uh, because they're they're really good. I'm really impressed uh, w- with that position for Notre Dame. I, I really like uh, uh, Tremble, uh, the the upside right. of him, and he's just a he seems like he's going to be a special player in time but you know Clemson's had some some coverage issues on the back end with their with their safeties you know Nolan Turner and and Landon Zanders uh, mainly Zanders sometimes they're out of position you know I guess overall I, I would as I'm sort of sizing up the the matchup between Clemson's DBs overall and, and, and Notre Dame's receiving threats overall not just the receivers but the tight ends as well I, I, my biggest concern would probably be just the size uh uh, uh, disadvantage that Clemson will, will face, uh, you know, those big bodies, you know, I mean, they can just sort of box you out and, and, uh, cre- create positioning and, sure. and, 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 you know, you, you, you maybe win those battles if you're Notre Dame and, uh, Clemson had some issues in coverage, uh, in that respect last week. And so, um, I think that that'll be an interesting part of it. I, you know, I just keep going back to, and I just kind of feel like Brent Venable is going to force the issue with that running game. He's going to, yep. he's going to bring a bunch of pressure, yep. um, you know, to try to fluster book, to try to mess with his eyes, to, 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 to make him uncomfortable. And, you know, based on what I've seen from book this year, I mean, he looks, he looks good. Like I, you know, I think he is much improved, but it just doesn't seem like he's getting a whole lot of help from his receivers because there doesn't seem right. to be a whole lot of separation. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, Venable's MO in, in so many of these big games has not been to, oh, we're going to sit back and, and let them, you know, <laughs> execute down the field and make them make a mistake. It's like, we're coming after you yep. behind, you know. Force the issue. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I just, um, you know, they tried to force the issue something against BC and they weren't able to do it. So, you know, because BC was blocking them. So <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, the the line of scrimmage, I think, is is where this game will be will be decided. Not that that's uh, a novel uh, a novel thought, but but uh, it, it'll be a. I think it's going to be really interesting to see to see what happens uh, oh. between uh, Notre Dame's offensive line and, and Clemson's uh, Clemson's defensive line. Yeah, that's absolutely where my attention is going to be. Uh, that that's where it's going to be won or lost. Can Notre Dame? counteract what Venables wants to bring at him because he's not, you're right. He's not going to sit back and just allow Notre Dame to do whatever they do and, you know, keep everything in front or, or whatever some of these other defensive coordinators do. He's going to force the issue and he wants to play at his pace in his game. And um, he has done an excellent job of that throughout his career. So it'll be, uh, you're right. It'll be very, very interesting and and definitely something I'll be keeping an eye on. Um, One of the things that we talk about a lot uh, around here when we're talking about Notre Dame and when it comes to special teams, it's like 
you know what? We would just love a draw. You know, it, <laughs> at this point, you know, it, it, they they put a guy back on punt returns who's going to fair catch almost every single time. You know, don't make any mistakes. Hit your field goals when you get your opportunities. Just a draw is good. That That's where Notre Dame has kind of drawn the line for themselves, I think, on special teams. At least that's the way it appears from our standpoint. What does Clemson's special teams bring to the table? Is it a draw situation like it is at Notre Dame, or is that a side of the ball that Clemson really highlights and, and tries to make a difference with? Well, yeah, they try to make a difference. I mean, it's been kind of a roller coaster so far. Like They've been spectacular, and then they've been horrible. Um, you know, against Miami, they had three field goals blocked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, including one for a touchdown right before the, the first half ended. I mean, that's really the only way that game was even, uh, you know, remotely close sure. at, at halftime. They had a, a punt blocked uh, against Syracuse uh, two weeks ago, and then uh, they missed uh, an extra point um last week against against Boston College BT Potter the the place kicker I mean he's got a, a cannon of a leg and the and the field goals that were blocked against Miami that was all protection that was not on him uh they just had some really bad breakdowns on the right side of their of their uh protection but um you know Potter when that game was sort of out of hand last week uh in the in the first half he uh, DJ drove him down the field in the last minute, and and Potter Potter hit a nice fifty yard field goal uh, to make it twenty eight to to thirteen, and that ends up being really big in the end because sure. Boston College is having to drive for a touchdown at the end instead of driving for a right uh, field goal. So um, I think and, oh, and I I have to mention their punter Will Spires has been excellent this year. I mean he. He made Dabo played the field position game late against Boston College, and and, and Spires made him look brilliant because he he had a couple of really nice punts, including his last one that I think was uh, down at the four yard line, and that led to a safety that essentially ended it. So um, in the return game, I think I'll be interested to see if they if they put Travis Etienne back there for for kickoffs to try to uh, to try to add some juice. Um, mm. That's what they did. They did that to, to open the second half against Boston College when they were down 13, and he had a nice return, I think, out to the 40-yard line maybe uh, to help give them a spark. And so, <laughs> Nice to have uh, that in your back pocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yet another way you have to worry about number nine. Right. But I would say overall they're really talented on special teams. They've just sort of at some point been their own worst enemy. Sure. Oh, no, believe me, Notre Dame fans will understand that uh, wholeheartedly, no doubt about that. But uh, so, uh, you know, this is the first game that Notre Dame is going into where they've been an underdog this season. And uh, so, you know, normally I ask, you know, what are the keys for, you know, a chance at victory for the opposition? But, you know, what what are the keys for Clemson to do what everybody kind of expects them to do, I guess, Uh, you know, come into Notre Dame Stadium and and uh, and leave still the number one team in the country. Yeah, I kind of feel like the the, the pressure is is on Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that Clemson's kind of playing with house money a little bit. Like, I, obviously, it would be a lot different had they not pulled out that game last week against Boston College. 
Sure. The pressure would all be on them. But, um, but you know, it just feels like, you know, based on what happened two years ago in Dallas and you know, there's mm-hmm. that, that pressure on Notre Dame. Okay. Here, here they come again. And, and now, you know, I think Clemson's shorthanded state that creates even more pressure on Brian Kelly and, and Notre Dame in that, in that, uh, you know, if not now, when, you know, because there's, you know, you just sort of assume that if these two teams indeed meet again for the ACC championship, that, that Clemson will be much healthier and, and in a right. better place. Although who the heck knows, you know, with COVID and all that. But, <laughs> sure. But, um, you know, so I, I'm not saying that, that, that Clemson, you know, shouldn't care or anything like that. I just, I, I kind of feel like they are in position or have more of a right to have that sort of a freewheeling nature, you know? Absolutely. Um, and so I, and on top of that, I mean, they are so experienced in these types of games. Um, you know, even though a lot of these players haven't been in these types of games, it's just sort of like it's in the DNA, you know, um, they've been around, even if they haven't been playing, they know what it's like, uh, to be in the playoff and every year. And, um, so I, you know, I think that, that, that DJ has to, of course, um, be smart and, and be, you know, uh, tighten up his game some from, from last week, even though he was, he was really, really good. He still, there were some, there were some mistakes. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, on the, I think Clemson's offensive line has the block, you know, like I'm impressed with those two interior guys that Notre Dame has, um, 41 and, and 95, I guess it is. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, it, it really looks like uh, the defensive end Hayes, number nine, mm-hmm. is is really sort of coming into his own. And so, Here's hoping. <laughs> if you're yeah, a Notre I mean, Dame they, fan, yeah. Yeah, and I think as Dabo Sweeney said at his press conference earlier today, you know, somebody asked him, you know, about Notre Dame blitzing a lot, and he's like, well, they really haven't been because they've been able to get a lot of pressure with their front four, and so I think that could be a chore for 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 Clemson, um, just sort of, you know keeping them from, uh, from, from, from disrupting them, uh, too much. And so I think the key though, is, is on the other side of the ball, you know, if, if you're, if Venables and that defense are able to truly make book uncomfortable and it gets into the type of game like Louisville, you know, where they're not moving the ball as much as they want to not score as much as they want to. And then sort of those ghosts, come back. I think that's the kind of game Clemson wants to be in. Um, you know, where they're putting pressure on on Notre Dame, uh Notre Dame's offense and 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 sort of squeezing them some, if that makes any sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense to me. It sounds like a recipe for victory for the Tigers for sure. Uh but it, either way, I think we both expect this game to be close. I think we we expect it to be a uh, hopefully a good game against good programs and I think uh, people would be fooling themselves that they didn't think this is probably part one of a two-part series uh, with these two teams. I would hope, anyway. Um, so we will, we shall see what happens when when uh, Clemson travels up here to South Bend. Larry, I want to thank you for joining me on the Opponents Insider Podcast today. Why don't you let everybody know uh, like your Twitter handle or ways that uh, our listeners can follow your work this week? Yeah, well, uh, my website is tigerillustrated.com, part of the Rivals Network. And 
I'm also on uh, Twitter. Uh, the handle is at Larry Williams TI, and I uh, have a lot of fun with that. Also, uh, I have a weekly podcast uh, that is called The Clemson Dubcast, D U B C A S T, and that's available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all the all the major platforms. So, yeah, uh, quite a quite a number of ways to. Uh, to check out what what we're doing. Awesome. That again, that's Larry Williams, who's the senior writer at TigerIllustrated.com, which is part of the Rivals Network. Next up on Notre Dame's schedule is another away game as Notre Dame travels to Boston College to face off with former teammate Phil Dracovic and his Eagles squad. And we will talk about that game next Wednesday. So until then, thanks for joining me on the in on the opponents insider podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.